Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Amen. Uh, I'm going to start by asking us a few questions. So if I can get question number one on the screen, please, Sonia. Um, which of these would get rid of your stress? So these are just pictures, but option number one, we have got uh, no heating in your house for the rest of your life. Or on the right there, you can have only cold food for the rest of your life. Which would give you, I guess, less stress? No heating, hands up for no heating in your house. Or the cold food for the rest of your life. That's quite split, that. I definitely want hot food, me. Next question, please, Sonia. So we have, um, what was the question here? It was either going to be your football team, this is obviously only for some of us in the room, your football team acquires the best striker in the world, or your rival football team uh, goes into administration and goes to bottom of the league. So you can have the best striker in the world, hands up for that, for your team, or your rival football team goes into administration. Which of these would give you less stress? Next question, please. Uh, Would you, which would give you less stress? Winning the lottery or having nothing in your bank account? Hands up if winning the lottery would give you less stress. Hands up if having nothing in your bank account would give you less stress. Ooh, a few of us. Why are you shaking your head, Hannah? It's quite, I think it's quite hard. Most of us seem to know that money doesn't necessarily solve all problems. Um, but, and we're all in the same boat in that sense. Uh, we try to live up to society's expectations of how we live our lives. Um, yet we don't have the money for it. We don't have the money for what society wants our lives to look like. Um, and so we think the answer is more money. Um, but there's people that work with lots of money that would uh, want to kind of counter that idea. There's a guy called Clay Cockrell, and he's a therapist to the super rich. Um, and he says, many billionaires I work with have trust issues, lack a sense of purpose, and struggle with shame, guilt, and fear. If all your necessities and much more were covered for the rest of your life, you might struggle with a lack of meaning and ambition too. My clients are often bored with life, and too many times this leads to them chasing the next high, chemically or otherwise, to fill that void. And we all must have thought at some point in our lives, if only I had that little bit more money, then I'd be content. I wouldn't be stressed. But we know that's a lie at the same time. We know that from the people around us that have that little bit more money than us, um, they're not any kind of less stressed than us. We know that from the higher suicide rates in the wealthier areas. We know what the lie is, and yet we continue to hold on to it. Um, This was, I thought, the worst sermon for me to be given. The the title is Stress is Bad. Um, I didn't make that title, and I said it to Tim as I walked in, and Tim said, doesn't really need a sermon on that, does it? Surely we know that. Um, He said jokingly, I assume... But the thing is, I love a bit of stress. 
Um, I know stress is bad, but I also love it. I kind of chase it often. Um, and often we use, all of us, money as that solution. Um, so in this passage, we're going to hear what Jesus says about those two things, money and stress. So let's read. This is Luke 12, 22 to 34. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yeah, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the first thing we're thinking about today is to put worry aside. And Jesus starts by saying to his disciples, don't worry. And he immediately starts giving examples. He starts with basic needs like food and clothing. And here is his explanation, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. And that's a farming analogy uh, to say they don't really plan ahead. He says, these birds don't plan ahead for what they're going to be eating. And then verse 24 carries on. They have no storeroom or barn, which means that when these birds have food, they're not saving it for the next day. They're not saving it to sell on in their surplus to kind of make a little bit of extra cash. So don't worry about basic needs. Moving on to verse 25, Jesus takes us past basic needs like food and clothing and onto health and security. Verse 25, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? In reality, none of us know when we're finished. None of us can use the power of worrying to extend our life, to live longer, or to have better health, or to be more secure So don't worry about safety needs. Verse 27, consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Um, I obviously didn't bring in a raven, but I feel like this was an easier prop. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, obviously, it came to our house about a week ago, and it was you know, closed up, and it was like, oh, cheers, thanks for bringing that. Um, and now... It looks great. You know, splendor is a decent word to use here. Um, 
And equally, Jesus is referring to wildflowers, and he's saying, don't they look awesome? And the greatest king in Israelite history, the richest king, the wisest king, the king with the, the biggest kingdom, he didn't look as glorious as a wildflower. So Jesus says, look at this flower. He doesn't worry about that stuff. And yet it's far more glorious than Solomon ever was. And so Jesus says, don't worry about status. Don't worry about the stuff that an excess of money brings. He says, put worry aside. Um, What we're building here is a pyramid. Um, This is called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. He's a psychologist. I'm getting a couple of smiles around the place that might recognise this. This is for the geeks among us. Um, The idea is that a a person, if they're not having the, the lower needs, like basic needs at the bottom, if a person isn't having those needs met, then they can't focus on the higher needs. I've obviously not included all the steps because they're not necessarily as relevant to this passage. But um, as an example, basic need, um, you're not going to have someone worrying about having the right vitamin intake um, when they're living on the street because they're next uh, kind of level down. So that, in fact, that was, uh, that was kind of probably... Um, yeah, orange and red. You get the idea anyway. The lower stuff needs to be kind of fulfilled before you can kind of work up that pyramid. Um, and Jesus, one by one, was saying, don't worry about that thing. Don't worry about your basic needs. Um, don't worry about those safety needs. And don't worry about the needs of status either. Um, and it's all well and good saying, put worry aside. But isn't that a little bit like telling an angry person to calm down? Just chill out. Um, But Jesus tells us how to stop worrying in these next few verses. Um, And so our second idea today is let him provide. Jesus says, let God provide. We heard about the ravens not planning ahead for their meals. But at the end of verse 24 it says, yet God feeds them. They don't worry about food and yet God provides. And we heard about the wildflowers. In fact, here is a field of wildflowers um, from Israel. This is a picture from Israel. Don't they look awesome? And Jesus is saying, that is how God clothes the grass with those beautiful flowers. Uh, but Israel at this time, when, they, when there was scarce trees for Uh, fuel, they would use dry grass and it would burn it up. And so Jesus is saying in verse 28, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, how much more will he clothe you? As God provides for the grass of the fields, you who are worth so much more, he will also provide. And Jesus says that letting him provide is what makes Christians different. Verse 30, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. Father God knows that you need this stuff. Let him provide this stuff, and don't worry about it, because that is what everyone else does. So as followers of Jesus, we let him provide. And when we don't let him provide, we are trying to take control of uh, the situation ourselves. 
and we worry and we get stressed because we're not in complete control. And knowing that this comes down to money, an attempt to be our own provider might cause any of these three things. Relationship damage, lack of generosity and debt. So firstly, relationship damage. Surely most of us in the room have had some sort of friction or argument with a loved one over money. That's probably come out of a a slight difference in our perspective of money. But either way, both parties were worrying about money in a way that Jesus says, let it go. Let God provide and don't add stress to your relationship with this loved one. Imagine how that conversation might have gone if both parties came at it with the knowledge that God is fully in control and is going to provide what you need. Imagine how God would be glorified through that trusting conversation. Um, How about your relationship with God? Do you feel like you've ever damaged your relationship with him because you don't trust that he'll provide? Maybe you've been angry with him because you've lost your job and can no longer pay rent. Maybe you've been angry with God because you've had a treasured possession stolen from you and you've either got to pay out again to get that thing or do without this treasured possession. Maybe you're angry with God because with this whole cost of living crisis, you can't pay for the kind of food that keeps you healthy. You get sick more quickly because you can't afford to heat your house. God knows what you need. Think about our relationships with him. Think about how our relationships with him would be transformed if instead of targeting God as the source of our problems, we see him as the solution. We give him control and we see him as the provider. And how we do that is we get up every morning and we pray to God, Father, please give me what I need today. And like many of us already do, we ask our church and our community groups to pray for our needs. And in that prayer, we give it to God. He already knows what we need before we ask. But when we pray it in our hearts, we say, God, I'm giving this worry to you. God, this crippling stress that I feel, I'm handing over to you because you care for me so much. A second example of how we can give God control of our finances might be when our paycheck gets cut, Instead of the first outgoing to be cut uh, from our bank accounts uh, being our giving to church, um, maybe we say, no, God, I trust you. I'm going to keep giving this amount of money away and know that you're going to provide for me. And please believe me that this isn't a firing squad. uh, Like me, myself, you know, I think a year ago, Hannah got a pay cut. And the first thing that I did was cut the amount that I was giving to church It's the first thing that I did. That wasn't Hannah. She got the pay cut, but on our behalf, that's what I did. So this is me saying, the guy at the front also saying, who's struggling with the same thing, this is something that we can try and think together as a church. Um, A third thing in which we can give to God is debt. I assume most of us in this room are in debt. Uh, Some of us have phones that put us in debt. Some of us have cars that we don't own. Um... And we're going to have to give back at the end of the finance deal. Some of us have student loans, which we're going to be paying back for 20 years. And mortgages for the next 30 years. This is debt 
And often we choose debt to take control of our finances rather than let God be in control. Here's what the Bible says about debt. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The borrower is the slave of the lender. Slave is an extreme word to use. um, But if we're getting stressed about something, if we're burdened by anxiety from this debt, then it has our hearts and we are enslaved to it. So we're given this advice to not be in debt. It is advice rather than a command. Um, as sometimes debt can be a sensible option. I would argue in the long term a house mortgage will save Hannah and I money. Um, but we are to consider very carefully every decision that puts us in debt. That puts us uh, enslaved to a, le- a lender. And continually check ourselves when we get stressed about it. Practical ways of getting out of that stress might include job clubs and budgeting courses. And believe me, you are in exactly the right church for that because we've got a bunch of people that work in such areas. So if you want help, I'm not going to help you, but I'm going to point you in the direction of someone that can. Um, Now, this point is a little caveat and he's put in there for the let God provide. Jesus isn't saying don't work, don't support yourself. Don't put energy into the needs of your life. He's simply talking through worrying about this stuff. Later on in verse 29, he says, Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. If your heart is set on these things, then you're going to worry about it. And so where are we to set our heart if not on this stuff? Uh, This last point Um, would rhyme if he said it in an American accent. So we've got put worry aside, let him provide with the kingdom kingdom in sight. uh, Verse 31 says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. This kingdom that Jesus is talking about is one in which Jesus is the king and his people will live with him, praising him forever. There will be no pain, no stress, no anxiety about what you have or what you don't have. And I'm pretty sure the kingdom will have no money because there will be such an abundance. Um, and God will, and it will all belong to God and he will share generously with his people. Verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So it's like an inheritance. It's not anything we've ever worked for. It's not anything we've ever saved up for. It's not anything we've made deals for. It's a gift. The Father is pleased to give the gift of his kingdom. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. So Jesus' application of putting our worries aside, our worry of money aside, is to give money away. You might have noticed that Jesus doesn't tell us which possessions to sell uh, because he's talking about any and all of them. He'd previously compared us to birds that store up nothing. He is saying that to keep the kingdom in sight is to have nothing on this planet that we value more than a future with him. He finishes off by saying, Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Invest in what can't be taken from us. 
Don't be slaves to money and stuff, but be an inheritor of the kingdom. If we want our hearts to be set on the kingdom, then make sure you get rid of anything that gets in the way of that. And that is how we are able to keep the kingdom in sight. Earlier we looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I've I've, uh, added in the last couple of bits. Um, It's quite a cool analysis of how humans get fulfillment and contentment. I didn't show you uh, that top tier earlier, full potential. The idea is that if you have all these bottom tiers fulfilled, eventually you get to the top and a human feels like they are reaching their full potential. As Christians, we believe that our full potential is to give glory to God. Um, Our ultimate life goal is to be with Jesus and like Jesus. So we can change that now to seeking the kingdom. Um, And obviously that whole pyramid has been flipped um, because these verses that we've read don't really quite fit in with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What this clever psychologist has not considered in this pyramid is, love, is a loving father that knows what we need and asks us to seek his kingdom. Maslow works from the bottom. Maslow says, if someone isn't having this lower need met, then they can't consider the higher needs. And Jesus tells us to think the opposite. Jesus turns this whole thing upside down. He says in verse 31 that if we seek his kingdom... These things will be given to you as well. Seek his kingdom. These things will be given to you as well. Everything else will fall into place. And what does this mean for us? It means that when we lack what we need, and when we're thinking, God can't possibly use me for his kingdom because my life isn't together. I can barely afford the risen price of an aubergine to £1.50. How can I seek the kingdom when I walk down the road, the dark road on my own because I can't afford a bus or a taxi? How can I seek the kingdom when I can barely afford to go out with my friends? How can I seek the kingdom if those people see me as too poor? How can I see, seek the kingdom if they don't respect me because I'm richer than them? Jesus says to go the other way. Jesus says, first, seek the kingdom. Submit all of this stuff to God. Give your worries and your stress to God first in prayer. If money is what you worry about last thing at night, then last thing at night, pray about it. If first thing in the morning you're stressed about money, then pray about that stress and pray about that money first thing in the morning. Don't let stress about money get in the way of you and God. Instead, let him be a part of it. Secondly, when we stress about what we have, if we can have the next slide, please, Sonia, thanks. If we stress about about what we have, the last verse of this passage tries to help us identify what's in the way of us and God. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart also uh, will be also. It makes me want to ask, what physical thing do you treasure so much that it enslaves you? I want to challenge you to talk to someone about it. For me, it's my piano. Um, my wife loves to play piano, as you might have heard for the first time today. Um, and she's good at it. Um, and she's a musician. I trust her uh, with my piano. But she's afraid to use it. Um, 
She's afraid to use my piano. She's, I don't think she's ever touched my piano. I've said that she can use it, but she's just afraid because I'm very protective over it. Like right now, I'm thinking about my piano. It's sat in the car. Is someone going to break into my car and get my piano? It's something that I do stress about. Um, but I want to use my piano to glorify God. Um, but at the moment, it's probably enslaving me more than it is glorifying God. So what is that thing that you stress about? What's one little change you can make to make sure it helps you seek God's kingdom? What's one little change you can make that you worry less about that thing? Trust God in it. And that doesn't mean God's going to stop it from getting damaged. It means being willing to let it go as to better seek his kingdom.